Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Retrospects Podcast. Uh, this is your favorite podcast. Um, I'm using my Jedi mind tricks on you. Uh, we just wanted to say thank you for the wonderful response that we've gotten from the last episode so far. And if you haven't heard it, please go back and listen to it. Um, it was probably like one of the most fun episodes we've had recording. Um, so we're going to yep. try to do our best to keep you updated, keep you hooked on us. So um, my name is Brienne. If you, if this is your first time listening to us, my name is Brienne, um, a.k.a. Bree. I am joined by my lovely co-host, as always, Erica. Say hi, Erica. <laughs> hello, hello, my lovely friends. It is lovely, as always, to be back again. Yes, wonderful. Um, so today we are talking about a couple of uh, really fun and exciting movies that we watched as children slash, uh, you know, even throughout our adult lives as well. Um, but before we get into everything, I did want to say we do want to shout out a couple podcasts that we've been listening to that have been following us and we would love for you guys to support them as well. Um, it's the first podcast is th called 30 dirty and dying. And the other one is called aim for midnight. And it's the number four. Um, and both of these podcasts are great podcasts. If you are a millennial, a couple great millennial podcasts, if you like talking about all things, millennial pop culture, and um, lifestyle, I suppose. So, um, Erica, do you want to share with us how your weekend and everything has been? Because I know you've got a lot to say. Oh, do I ever? <laughs> well, we'll start with the positive. So on the positive, as most of you know, and as many of you saw on our story, I saw the Backstreet Boys Ooh. on Thursday. I saw them in Bangor, Maine. Um, I have family up there. And my cousin Katie, shout out to her. She ended up having a spare ticket and was like, you should come. And I was like, yes, yes, I should. <laughs> so, of course, I made the drive up, which to her, it's about like a little over four hours. Um, but it was, oh my gosh, it was such a good time. I mean, it was very, very hot out. I will say that. I really wished it was raining. It was supposed to. It didn't. We got maybe a couple little droplets. And we were right. The funny thing is, too, it's like right on the water because, of course, it is. It's Maine. Yeah. And, um, but like, we'd only get a breeze every now and then. But man, when you would feel it, it was like, ah, it feels so good. And it's like, we're all sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, holy cow. These guys are going to die of heat stroke because all the Backstreet Boys got on long sleeve this. At one point, AJ's got like a hoodie on. I'm like, yeah. bro, it is 90 something out here. It I, is too hot for the hoodie. I was wondering the same thing whenever he was like wearing that. I was like, bro, it's the summertime. Why are you wearing this? Right. I was like, okay, like I get it. Obviously, these are your like outfits designed for your show. But like, you know, you're touring like, especially, I don't know, it's in the summer. So you think... And you're, and you're dancing. Mm -hmm. like, isn't it hot? Yeah, for real. I just, I mean, they were, at one point, Brian had, like, this green shirt on and a vest. And that shirt was soaked within minutes. I mean, minutes. Oh, yeah. And then Nick, Nick, okay, like, Kevin mentioned something about, like, having, like, um, 
like the the dad bod and i and i i know like nick kind of hinted at that too and you could tell during the concert because that man kept all those jackets and vests on and i was like nick it's too hot you don't need to cover up all right look at all us <laughs> women in the audience like dude we look like we cared no not at all man not at all and i'm sure like oh we're like oh yeah dad bod okay whatever Nick Carter. Literally. I was like, okay, sure, dad bod. (laughs) But yeah, that was good. I mean, I ended up quite sick the next day. So um, I spent that day in the hospital. So that was not fun. Um, Yeah. Yeah. but But then I went up and saw my grandmother. And so she's like an hour, like 15 minutes away from my cousin. So it's like about five and a half hour total drive. That's not bad. That's like, and so, that's yeah, you know, that, <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, but it was good minus, you know, that little, little, little hiccup there, I guess. How yes. about you? Um, mine was, my weekend was good. I went to this, um, it was this boy band night on Friday at this old, like, bar club place that I used to go to, um, and... I, I saw that, you know, they on like Facebook events has advertised this stuff. And I saw that they were having a boy band night and I was like, I have to go. I was like, I'm in my 30s. I don't care. I'm going to this thing. <laughs> so I got a couple people to go with me and we played pool. We danced. Um, definitely was hung over the next morning. Um, and that was fun. Not I honestly, I've never I've never had hangovers before and now that I'm 34 I feel like it's all catching up to me so um, oh yeah <laughs> that was oh, great yeah. um and then we went my friend and I went lila to this lila or not lilac lavender field and we got a whole bunch of lavender um and it was very pretty this was after we felt better um by the way and then <laughs> um Sunday we just kind of hung out did we ran errands and did stuff but that was really nothing it was nothing too crazy and uh but I will say I did call off today because to call off work today because it was uh storming throughout the the night I I think I had like two hours of sleep because my dog was like all up in my face whining and crying because of the storm and it literally took me hours to get him calm and calm enough for me to go back to sleep. And I was like, it's, I work at seven, I start work at like seven thirty, and I, or I'm sorry, at 1030. And I, I sent them an email at seven fifteen, I think in the morning that I was like, I cannot, I was like, I, there's no way I could work today. <laughs> so, yeah. And so there's not, you, you, you can't function off no sleep. Cause that was, that's how I was the day after the concert. I had literally like maybe an hour to two hours of sleep and I, oh my God, I could barely stay awake. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I, I got, I went to sleep around eight, I think finally. And I think I got like another four hours. I got a REM cycle in there. So I was like, all right, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> I got one REM cycle. I think I'll, I'll survive. Cause then I, I didn't want it to, to like mess up my entire sleep schedule, but um, right. so yeah, but, uh, the movies that we're talking about this week are Braveheart and A Little Princess. Again, we're talking about movies that, um, tugged on our heartstrings, the ones that made us cry for various reasons. 
Um, and these two just happened to come out of the year 1995. Um, so, Erica, what was life like for you in 1995? What was going on? Well, you know, I think I was, let's see, seven. So I was, what, going into the second grade? Mm-hmm. Living my best life. I will say, I saw your picture up on um, the Instagram, and I'm just like, that's one photo I don't have. And I think it's because I forgot that it was picture day. It's funny that I still remember this. I forgot that it was picture day. And so everybody else was dressed up. And I was wearing this giant sweatshirt that had like the Tasmanian devil on it. And I oh, have yeah. A, yeah. And I don't know. I think maybe my mom didn't buy my second grade pictures that year for that reason. I gotcha. But That's I okay. I feel like. That's okay. 1995 was like a. I don't know. It's a year, like, for example, I love, 1995 was a great year for music, example. I just feel like a lot of good songs came out in 95. I feel like when I think of, like, the summer of 95, there's a lot, lots of good music that came out yes. at that time. I don't know. I just, at that age was when I really started, I think, to start getting more into music. And that's a lot of the memories I have in that that's year. A, that's a good one. A lot. You, know what's, you know what I will say? I will say that I have... I think it's like the 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 biggest thing one of the biggest events to come out of the of the 90s happened in like 94 95 and I feel like that was like one of the first things that I remember talking about now I didn't know all the details and stuff but the one of the like I'm talking about the OJ Simpson case like yes oh I my rem- gosh huge so again I went to this private Christian school. It was K through 12 at this particular time out, not the same private Christian school I was talking about last week, a different one. (laughs) But I remember, uh, since my brother was older and he was in high school, I remember him and his classmates talking about it because they had to do like a current events and things like that. And I remember one of his friends asking me, I was, and he was like, do you think OJ's guilty? I was like, uh, what? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think we all did because, like, I know my parents are like, yeah, I mean, obviously he was. Right, right. (laughs) Which I never realized, obviously, until, like, later on in my life because somebody actually asked me the question, like, uh, oh, my cousin. My cousin Katie had asked me. She's like, why are the Kardashians even famous? And I was like, well, it's because their father, Robert Kardashian, was one of the lawyers that defended O.J. Simpson. Yes, yes. That's exactly it. Yeah, so there, there you go. Fun. And I didn't know that until later on in life, of course. I didn't put it together until, until like, maybe after, like, a little bit after Kim became famous. They, they talk about it on the show, like, Every every now and again, I don't watch like, the show because how- I I can't I can't do it. <laughs> see, see, but I watch clips. Don't and listen. I know there's a lot of haters out there, but honestly, and it's okay. It's okay. That's fine. I'll defend my position. I if you don't pay attention to what the media portrays about them, and you watch like the funny dynamics between them, that's what's okay. funny. That's what I watch. Like I'm not sitting there being like, "Oh my god, I worship them," and they're like the greatest humans. But like, do they do some funny stuff, especially to each other, as like siblings or like pranks they play on, like their mom? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> some of it's hilarious. Yeah. 
they grew up in a very different world than the rest yeah. of us, and I can't really expect them to be anything really normal. other than who they are. Quote, unquote, normal, whatever normal yeah. is. I mean, wh- what can we do? Yeah. They didn't grow up in uh, middle, lower middle class land like the rest of us. Right. Um, well, anyway, I'm glad that you're, I mean, I know that you're not feeling 100%, um, but I'm glad that you were able enough to you know, be on the show today because I did tell her, I did tell Erica yesterday that since she was not feeling well yesterday, I was like, listen, don't worry about it. You know, if anything, I'll take care of the show myself this week, yada, yada, you just get better. But yeah, I'm glad that you're able to to be here and you're feeling at least okay enough to do this show. <laughs> well, let's give a shout out Let's give a prescription shout out to Zofran, the <laughs> anti-nausea medication that's keeping me from vomiting. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, modern medicine, ladies and gentlemen. So this week we are, I am covering Braveheart and Erica is covering um, A Little Princess, both vastly different yes. movies um, for very different but, but audiences. Really, I thought they were really similar. <laughs> but it's very it's it's interesting because like last week, it felt very weird to do, you know, Lion King and Forrest Gump, and here we are this week with right. um, Braveheart and Little Princess, and I it's very different movies. It's a little something for yeah, everybody. exactly. It's a little something for everybody, and they tug on our heartstrings. They make us emotional for very different reasons. So, um, yes. so I will go first covering Braveheart because it came, the release date was before Little Princess. So Braveheart, if you've never seen it, uh, I, obviously it's a, it was a little bit mature for us at, you know, six, seven years old, but there are some people who are listening that I should put into the fact guys that I have never seen it. I, I have seen clips obviously so i'm gonna learn a lot and learn along with you guys because i kind of explained to this debris in the beginning i'm gonna do my best guys to like watch the movies but you know every time i have a free moment we end up watching seeing red for like the 30th time (laughs) instead of a movie i want to watch so i was like this will be interesting because i like I, i know enough about the movie to like you know i know the premise but i haven't seen it so i don't know right. like the moments that really like tug at your heartstrings yes yeah so um let me see here so what do you know about braveheart and like what stands um, out to you as as a millennial who's never seen it what what okay. stands out to you so obviously i know mel gibson is in it yes um i know about like the face paint okay um i know about the part when he's like freedom because they're you know, Scottish. And, uh, yeah, I just, I'm assuming they're fighting for their freedom. And that's about that's all, all you know. Okay. So <laughs> that's all I know. Okay. Perfect. That's totally fine. So I, I, so obviously this movie came out in 1995 when we were seven years old. Okay. So this was not a movie that was a good fun movie to watch when you were seven years old, but there was no. there was tons of I feel like there was such a cultural impact for from this movie as well as you know even the ones even like Forrest Gump because it, it wasn't necessarily like an age appropriate movie and maybe we right. we didn't this was I mean Forrest Gump was probably a little bit cleaner it was less violent how you know but 
you know, the adult themes in, in some of these movies just would have flown right over our heads. However, there they oh, yeah. are huge movies. They are very big, like, blockbusters. And obviously, the, like, Braveheart was, like, a big... Um, so sad. Sorry, I just uh, dropped something. Um, but yeah, so Braveheart was uh, a big Academy Award winner. Like, obviously, and, and we know that Mel Gibson now is viewed very differently, and we're not. Yes, he sure we're is. We're not saying that we are, you know, encouraging you to, you know, support him. However, if you, the view of Mel Gibson in the 90s was vastly different than what it is today. Um, yes. So just keep that in mind while we talk about this, because, um, I, you know, we're certainly not saying that we support him and his views, uh, but, you know, back in, the, in 1995 and the 90s, it was a very different story. He was big. What? He was a big, he was a big movie star, and honestly, it was different in the sense that, like, you didn't really know what celebrities' views were. They didn't really, like... Yeah, you just... They weren't as... You just kind of... You just kind of knew them as celebrities who made movies, and the only personal details you ever saw about them would be in a magazine interview. There was no Twitter, there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, there was no nothing. Yes. So, you know, then, he, then you know, he just... He started opening his mouth, and then... And then that's when everything came to a screeching halt. Um... <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, okay, so Braveheart is essentially the story of this man named William Wallace who was who is an actual was an actual person. Now, this story is a little bit different than the true story, of course, you know, they take creative liberties and dramatic liberties for things. Um, however, I mean, like the general idea of it is, you know, true, I guess. So Essentially, England, of course, you know, England um, liked to take over. They wanted Scotland, right? Because that's what England does. They want all the land. They want it all. They want, you know, surprise, surprise. Um, And this takes place in, I think it's either in the 12th or 13th century. I believe it's 13th century. So William Wallace, his father, um, his father and his older brother died in like a, the first round of like rebellion against the English king, um, who was Edward the first. They call him long shanks, essentially that he had long legs. Essentially. That's what it means. Anyway, fun facts. <laughs> Good old Eddie, Eddie, Eddie long, legs. Eddie long legs. <laughs> um, so, uh, whenever I was watching it earlier, um, I, I forgot that, uh, whenever like young William Wallace's father dies, his uncle comes in and takes care of him, right? And his uncle is Argyle. And I was like, I feel like there's like, there there could have been like some fun crossover with Uncle Argyle and like Stranger Things in this. I don't know. I was like, oh my that would God. Be funny. I was like, there's got to be some kind of joke there. I just am not getting it yet. But anyway, so um, in England, you know, they're, they want to rule Scotland. However, there is another guy that has a claim to the Scottish throne and his name is Robert the Bruce who is essentially like he is a Scottish hero like and in real life they were very much like William Wallace and Robert the Bruce were allies eventually uh, Robert the Bruce does take the Scottish throne 
Um, he does de- defeat the British eventually. However, if you want to learn more, there's a couple good podcasts and you know to listen to. And if you'd like to learn more about it, um, I think there's one called Rex Factor. Rex Factor kind of talks about um, like the English kings, and it goes way back, like even before like William Ooh. the Conqueror. So um, I won't bore you to death on the history parts because I know that some people are like, Ugh, you know. <laughs> Not me. I love it, but so yeah. So William Wallace, his um, his father dies, uh, his brother dies. Assume we don't know where the mother is. We assume she's already dead. Whenever the story begins, um, <laughs> she did. She did, and um, so <laughs> it you know it it starts off sad because you already know that like these people are oppressed. These people are being i guess it's they're being ruled against their will like it's it's not a fun situation um i'm trying not to laugh but when you said the word they're being oppressed all i could think of is monty python (laughs) i'm being oppressed i'm being being (laughs) oppressed yeah i know um but at at his father's funeral there was a a a sweet he's young so he's maybe like 10 11 12 ish um his this little girl comes up to him and gives him a flower and he cries and essentially it seems like he falls in he like loves this girl like from this point on anyway um he comes back as an adult and he sees uh her again her name is um murren i think it's I think actually technically it was Marion, but they changed it to Marin because they didn't want it to get confused with like Maid Marion, you know. So anyway, so he just wanted to live in peace as um as an adult. Like he did not want he, he didn't want to fight. He didn't want to bother people. He just wanted to keep to himself, and yada yada. But uh, so they get married in secret um because that's not important. They get married in secret. Um, (laughs) and like literally the next day, the English get like, they kind of start something with both of them. And so they end up killing her to get to him. And at that point, she, uh, he kind of is like, I'm over this. I'm ready to fight. So he kind of rallies everybody and they, start taking over like this different Scottish territories and um, they rally more Scotsmen and yada, yada. It's going to, it's, it's exciting, you know? Um, It sounds exciting. I'm, I'm picturing it in my head. And also I'm thinking to myself, you know, Mel Gibson really likes to battle against the English because also in the Patriot. Patriot. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's like another one of those. It's a different, it's a different, Steam story, different movie. font. There we- <laughs> yes. yes, and Heath Ledger, and Heath. Oh my Ledger. God, Heath Ledger! That uh that movie. So Rest good. in peace, Heath Ledger. Seriously, one of the first celebrities that I cried about. I found right. out about that when I was in college, and I remember bawling my eyes out. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I kind of, I whenever I watched the movie, I was like, oh, she. I forgot that she died, and that's the whole. That was the whole thing that started him rebelling against the English and all that stuff. So essentially that it, it, her death sets off a chain of events that, yeah. you know, and everybody's like starting to talk about like, Oh, this William Wallace guy, he's such a big, strong man, blah, blah, blah. He knows what he's doing. He's very, <laughs> uh, you know, 
strong, strong like bull. Strong like bull. Um, anyway, he so Robert the Bruce fight like hears about him, and they kind of join forces. Um, and with the battle against the British, which is you know where the, with the face paint, and he's rallying everybody, and it's like blah blah blah, they can never take our freedom. You know whatever, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's an epic speech, and I forgot how funny it was. Uh, it's been a couple of years since I've seen it. I mean, I think I've maybe seen the movie maybe three times because it's a very long movie. It's almost three hours. Um, Holy cow. Yeah. So it's, um, but it's a good, it's a good movie. Don't get me wrong. Um, so I forgot that like in the battle <gasps> scenes, what? I found, you know how we always talk about how we wish we had like sounds and stuff. Uh-huh. I found the Braveheart soundboard and I was like, Ding, ding, ding. I need to start looking up soundboards before the episodes so that I can use different sounds. So when you were talking about freedom, I could just be like, freedom! (laughs) That would have been awesome. Maybe. But it's so hard to tell, though, because they're all labeled like this. It says, like, Brave 1, Brave 2, Brave 3. So obviously I would have to do this prior, but I was like, ooh, good to know this is on here. (laughs) For future episodes. Um, For future episodes. Yeah, so where was I? Yeah, so that's the epic speech. I forgot that the... uh, before the battle, I forgot all of the Scots, like, lift their kilts and, like, flash all the Englishmen with, like, their Scottish... I remember hearing about that, yes. too. Yes, and, like, the they lift their kilts and show their asses as well, and I was, like, it was really funny. I was, like, screaming at the TV because, like, it was, like, after, like, the... Um, the English let off a couple, like, a round of arrows. And I was like, you guys, put your kilts down. <laughs> Get your shields. I was like, come on. Don't let them shoot you in the ass. Put them down, lads. Put them down. Put them down. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, and eventually William Wallace is like, listen, I want to knock these. Like, they, they win that battle. They are, like, the English retreat. They want to go, he wants to, like, go to England and, like, fight England on English territory, too. So he's really ambitious. He wants to knock their block off. He does. He's like, I'm tired of your shit, man. And so um, he ends up meeting with the princess, this princess who is actually French. She marries marries this um, Edward's son, who, by the way, in the story, is very gay. Um, Like... You know. Yeah, and so she kind of, she kind of, she hears about him and kind of has pity on him. She's trying to do, like, her princess duties. However, it, it's kind of unheard of for her to be, like, a diplomat in this way, to meet with him and talk to him about um, this kind of stuff, like peace treaties and things like that. Because he does burn, like, this, this, this not a city, it's not a city, it, it, it's in York, the but anyway, he conquers the city of York. Um, sorry. And so she, she's kind of, she's meeting him to try to be diplomatic. And because she thinks that he's actually got, he has a good cause and he seems like a good guy. And so she's trying to, you know, like talk him down essentially because this is what the king wants, you know, yada, yada. I've said yada yada like five times already. I, I apologize. <laughs> yada 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 yada. yada. Um, but you can kind of tell that she kind of like likes him. She digs him a little bit, and obviously, you know, he's Mel Gibson in the '90s, so he's he's a good looking guy. And 
Eventually, what happens is Robert the Bruce, who was the Scottish, and this is in the movie, by the way, not the actual true story, but Robert the Bruce essentially betrays him, gives William Wallace to the English, and um, turns him in for, you know, to, for reasons. Um, And so he is, it's not a fun death that he experiences. Um, Not at all. He is very much tortured. And like the, the princess, gosh, I can't even remember her name off the top of my head. The princess is like, please take this for pain because, you know, we really want you like, you know, I don't want you to hurt. Like you, you know, you, you don't just because you're dying doesn't mean it has to be painful, you know, essentially. And she, he's like, no, I'm going to go out guns blazing. So <laughs> that's, that's obviously, that's not my, that wouldn't be my choice. I'd be like, please, please give me whatever that you <laughs> yeah, can. He was, he, it was not, it was not a pleasant death. Um, and essentially it ends with him screaming freedom as he's dying. So yes. yes. Um, so, what made us cry with this one? Because this one is, I mean, there are sad moments. Obviously, whenever his, you don't have like a deep relationship with the father character, but you obviously feel bad that a kid lost his father in the in the beginning. Then right. you see this, how cute this little relationship is with this one girl that he had a crush on whenever he was a kid. And that gets taken from him. And by the way, gosh darn it, when is a Scotsman going to sweep me off my feet? Because, man, come on. You know what? I've been asking myself since the day I laid my eyes on you and McGregor at 14 years old. <laughs> right. But the, the larger story in and of itself kind of, there's a lot of people that can still relate to it, I feel. Because it's essentially about the little guy wanting to overthrow an oppressive system and that in and of itself is difficult and even now i mean obviously yes it's like you know we know how deep scottish hatred for english people goes you know and i mean maybe not as much as very true I think you and I know it because you and I kind of like history, but not everybody knows it. You know, not everybody knows that. But um, unless, I mean, and we are probably just getting like, we understand like maybe a fragment of it. I think the thing that makes us cry about this one is a fight for freedom, a fight for, from oppressive systems. And even like in his story, it's freedom doesn't happen in our lifetime. Like sometimes what we fight for, we don't get to see in our lifetime. We don't, you know, so it's that in and of itself is difficult to, to a difficult pill to swallow, at least for me. Like, I know that you haven't seen it. I did get teary a couple times, especially like when his, when the wife died, that was difficult. And then even seeing some, some of the, like the battle sequences were incredible, you know, like it, it really was a good, story it was written actually by somebody with the last name wallace however we it's not a descendant of william wallace it's not a relation no um hold on i just let we gotta see it i mean it's on our list we have 
what we had hanging up in our living room, like a list of a hundred greatest movies you need to see, and that, and you scratch each one with a, you know, with like a quarter oh, app yeah. once you've seen them, it has like a little picture behind it, and that's on the list of like movies that we need to see, because like I said, I honestly, I what I do know about it is from watching like um. <clears throat> I yeah. love the 90s and I'm showing clips of the movie and that's how I like I remember the, some of the stuff yes. you're talking about but it's definitely it is it is on my list because we can watch a long movie we watched Wolf of Wall Street last night and that movie yeah is long. I mean it's different yeah it's just that it, does the story keep you engaged does it you know and, and it probably, does it, it probably does would. because it's a, it is a good story um how you know like I said it's not it's not super accurate it's Base, it's based on a true story. Um, but that, I think that's most movies that are like that, you know? Um, yeah. So let me see here. So I did want to share a couple little fun tidbits about it. So Mel Gibson did direct it. And um, he did, Mel Gibson did direct it. However, he did not, ex- at first he didn't accept the, the role of William Wallace because he was like, I'm too old to play this part. This man was in his 20s. And um, obviously you can tell like William Wallace or like Mel Gibson in this movie is like maybe in his like probably in his like late 30s, I think. So you can tell he's older than I, he should be. It, and it made sense. Like it didn't make sense to me either. Whenever I watched it, I was like, he does look a little bit older to be a person like, you know, like it's <laughs> supposed to be in like 20 year or like. 10 15 years that he comes back from his uncle Argyles. Anyway. Well, I mean look look at all the look at all the celebrities that are supposed to be teenagers in movies. That's a look good at Greece. Those a, people are like 30 something. I guess the only reason or like the only way that the studio would finance the movie was if he played William Wallace. And so that's why he took it. That makes sense. Um, they probably knew they'd make the Yeah, money. exactly. So, um so oh, this was this was a fun fact. So I why Wallace's two tr- like his two captains like uh, one was his best friend Hamish, who was Scottish, and then Stephen, who is Irish. And Hamish was played by an uh, an Irish actor, uh, Brendan Gleeson, and then um, and Stephen was played by a Scottish actor named David O'Hara. So like that's like <laughs> oh that's so funny. <laughs> so um and. Uh, another thing was that many of the Scots were very offended by the portrayal of Robert the Bruce because he is such a national hero to them. Because in the, the real story, he did not betray William Wallace. It was um, they were allies, very much allies. I could see, I could see where that would kind of you know get be like, oh man, yeah. Like if it's a national hero, you know, that's a big detail. That's a big it detail is. to stage. It is, but you know, for dramatic effect, I guess. How to move the, when it's you supposed know, to be like your buddy, yeah, that does make it like. Yeah, um, there was about sixteen hundred extras used for the battle scenes, which is a pretty big, like, list of people. Um, most of the members, uh, most of those extras were members of the FCA, which is essentially like the Irish, the Reserve Irish Army. Which uh, I was like, that's kind of cool that they used those people. Oh, yes. So one of the things that I wanted to look up was I was like, were there any animals that actually got hurt in this movie? Because they it did really look very violent with especially with the horses, you know, and I'm like, I know that they don't nowadays. It's very much 
Right. Like people don't do that. But I wasn't sure how they dealt with the ethics of hurting animals in, in movies, right? In the 90s. Um, but so I, I looked it up and um, apparently there were no horses that were actually hurt in the movie. However, okay. Okay. He, he was, he was in, like Mel Gibson was investigated by this, by an animal welfare organization because it looked way too real. Um, and, but apparently like in those, in the shots that it looks like the horses are getting hurt, apparently they're fake horses. Dang. So, which is very interesting to me. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Oh, I did want to, I did want to mention. Obviously, uh, William Wallace is played by Mel Gibson. Uh, one of the first other, one of the other actors that I saw watching this movie, I was was like, oh my god, he looks so familiar. He looks so familiar. And I and I put my finger on it. I I thought it was the guy that played Giles Corey in The Crucible. It's not. Um, it was. I was like, no, 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 that's not him. That's not him. It's the guy that did you did you watch Game of Thrones? No, no. Okay, James Cosmo, who is he plays um, his friend Hamish's father. Um, I think his name is Campbell in the movie, and he played like the Night's Watch, and he was also in Troy. So oh, okay, yeah. And actually, Uncle Argyle was also in Troy. I think he was. Um, Agamemnon. It's weird that our movies are somewhat connected because one of my actors in the movie was also in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones has a big cast anyway. So um, it, it was, he was, um, James Cosmo played more, uh, G- Gion? Is that how you say it? Gion Mormont? I mean, I know you haven't seen it, so, uh, but essentially he was like, he was a commander of the Night's Watch. Which is where, yeah, it was, he's a good actor. Anyway, so um, Sophie Marceau played Queen, the Queen Isabella or the Princess Isabella. Uh, Catherine McCormick played Murrin. Uh, Patrick McGowan was King Edward I, the Longshanks. Longshanks. Brian Cox, like I said, was Argyle. Uh, Angus McFadden or McFadden was Robert the Bruce. Uh, Brendan Gleeson was Hamish. David O'Hara was Stephen... I think that's about all, like, that's, like, the main cast. So there are some other ones in there as well. But so the, that's the, the the core cast, I would say. Um, gotcha. But, yeah, it was very, uh, it was it was a good movie. And, yes, I would watch it again. Um, it's just sometimes these kinds of movies do take a little toll on you because they are quite heavy. So... Um, just, you know, if you haven't watched it, the only, oh, by the way, the only way that I watched it, it, it is on, I think, Showtime, I think, okay. um, or you can rent it on Amazon Prime. However, um, my boyfriend had the DVD, so I, I was like, I'll just watch the DVD. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. It's a, it's a classic. It definitely has a lot of really epic stories, uh, like themes and the battle scenes were were really cool. Um, obviously, again, we're not like we don't love Mel Gibson, but this is a good movie. Aside from his shitty beliefs, yeah. <laughs> so right. yeah, so that's that. I'm I like it and I'm interested to see it. It was on my list of many yeah. things that I need to see. Yes. 
Yes. All right. So I guess that leaves it up to me, which means we're moving on to our next film, which is A Little Princess. I love this movie so much. Me too. I loved it so much. That and The Secret Garden were like, ugh. Two of my favorites, which I have packed away as a double DVD set that I got from Walmart. Thank you, Walmart, for putting those two together. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wow. This is, again, based on a book, A Little Princess, by Frances Hodgkins Burnett, who also wrote The Secret Garden. Okay, so Um, it's the same author. Yes, the same author, which probably makes sense why they put the two DVDs together. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't figure that out when I, I was like, oh, wow, weird coincidence. Now it makes sense. <laughs> um, it came out on May 10th, 1995. It was released by Warner Brothers. So <laughs> this is the kind of sad part. So their budget was <laughs> $17 million, and They only made $10 million. So they lost. Oh, wow. Good, yeah. Ooh. Oh, I did forget to I did forget to mention something that I wanted to mention. So at the I I'm sorry. May Go I? Go ahead. Um so the the budget for this movie was 72 million, okay? Um gross worldwide it did make 213 million plus, okay? In I I looked it up because I was like that's a lot of money. How much I mean, and that they made a lot of money off of it, obviously. Um so I was like, what how much would that be now? So in 1995 to, I did like the inflation calculator and it was yep. almost, it was, it would be about $340 million. Wow. 300, like, I mean, I know that's not even like what we were talking about last week with um, Lion King. However, I just am like, I, I keep thinking, I was like, that amount of money is. Yeah, absurd. sure. Anyway, but <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 that's fine. Um, so anyway, kind of a loss on the um, their part, but I mean, I loved it. Brie loved it. We loved it. But obviously, I could see where it wouldn't have been like, especially in 1995 with so many other movies coming out. So um, it was directed by Alfonso. I'm going to probably pronounce this wrong. I'm sorry. Cuaron? Cuaron? Yeah, he was. The, <laughs> yeah, he directed one of the um, Harry Potter movies. Oh, how funny. So and he did um Gravity. That was one that was he did that and he did Pan's Labyrinth. Oh yes. Oh I Oh okay. That all right. Yep, that makes sense. I love Pan's Labyrinth. Such a good movie. Yes. Yes. He di- he directed it was Prisoner of Azkaban. Sorry. Okay, so. gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. So basically it's um set um during World War 1. It's supposed to be in 1914. Um, so, like, right at the tail end of, like, the Edwardian era, which you can see very much portrayed, (laughs) (laughs) portrayed in, like, their outfits, which, again, I think, I don't know, I just loved, I just, I loved that aesthetic then. I remember just thinking, like, it's so beautiful, like, so simple, especially, like, little girls stuff, the way that things that they would wear, but so beautiful, um, which you see a lot of the same, which, by the way, there's multiple adaptations. This is a 1995 adaptation, but there's, like, right. a silent film adaptation with Mary Pickford, which, if you don't know who she is, you're living under a rock. She's one of, like, the biggest silent stars. Um, there's also the version with Shirley Temple, which I think everybody uh, knows who she is. Um <laughs> 
I've seen that version. I still like the 1995 version best. Yes, yes. Don't get me wrong. I love Shirley Temple. Um, I like her in lots of other things. Um, but I think, I don't know. I just, I personally preferred the, the 1995 version, which is funny because the 1995 version is based mostly off of that film. Not yeah. so much the book. I know, shocker, guys. Are you surprised that a film is not somewhat based what? on the book it was about? <laughs> no way. So basically, um, it talks about this girl, Sarah. You know, she's with her dad. Um, and basically, you know, he has to go off to war. And they think that he's dead. And, you know, she doesn't right. have her mother. So um, she gets sent off basically to this boarding school in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and like originally when she enrolls and stuff like that, she's, you know, she's kind of got what she needs because she's got like money from her dad and all that stuff from, you know, yes. him. So yeah, she basically, she, you know, becomes pretty popular there, which, um, the headmistress, Miss Minchin, she's such a, <clears throat> she is, she such is. A, she's she, such a turd. She's such a turd, and she's so mean to Sarah, because, well, I should say, she's nice to you when, like, she's getting her money. But as soon as she's not getting her money, right? Um, forget it. But I think, you know, Sarah also kind of realizes that, and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't play along with the type of person that she is, which there's so many fun little, like, characters in here there's that one little girl who just like screams and... yes yes that was so cute i love her i know i love her i'm just like there's so many like cute little things um but anyway like sarah she's still convinced that like you know her father's still alive um spoiler alert yes he is which the reason behind that is so i guess like in the actual book I have to find where they, like, mention, like, his death as, like, um, head fever or something like that or whatever it was, but it wasn't, like, a real thing. So because it wasn't a real thing in the movie, they portrayed it like he didn't actually die when really he did die. So that was something that was kind of, like, different from... Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know. From, from book to film. Uh, I'm trying to, like... I got, like, a whole bunch of info on it, so I'm, like, trying to find that part where it had said... Um, Whatever. So anyway, um, long story short, um, basically, Sarah's no longer getting financially supported and has to move into the attic with Becky. Who I love is, Becky. I know. Becky's so cute. So she's basically like their little maid girl, which she is African-American. So pertaining to the time, that's important because it would make sense for that time why they would have had her being their maid. Um, And basically, like, her and Sarah, you know, they develop this friendship. Um, And it's cute because they, like, they keep each other... They kind of keep each other together and from falling apart because you got to realize, you know, Sarah thinks her father is gone. Right. Now she's coming from money, has no money. This woman, Miss Minchin, is treating her like garbage and is now forcing her to live in the attic in order to stay there 
Yeah. And I remember, like, one part in the movie where she basically tells Sarah, like, you should be grateful, because, like, I could kick you out on the street, but, like, I'm letting you stay here, and I'm just like, oh, I hate you so much, you're so mean! I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> I hate her. I hate her. I hate her. <sighs> um, so at one point, like, when they're up there, they discover this, they, basically, they, so the way that the, the... It's in Manhattan, so they're all, like, really tall buildings. The way these buildings are set up is they can see into, like, the windows across from them. Mm-hmm. And so there's, like, this man sitting there, and he's got, like, it's not a blindfold, but his eyes are covered because he's been injured in the war. He's being taken care of by the people that are there. Because they're taking care of him, I think, because he, like, saved the guy's son or something like that. Yes. I think that's what it happened. Yeah. yeah. And that's why, like, they were willing to take care of him. This is the crazy part, okay? I haven't seen this movie in forever, and a lot of this is coming off memory. I'm really surprised. (laughs) But I used to watch it all the time, so, like, that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So, anyway, his assistant, um, which in the movie his name is Ram Das, which is Ero Sinahal, which, so funny, when I went to, like, look up the actors, he plays the dad. He plays Kumar's dad in Harold and Kumar. Oh my god, really? Like what a what a yes. what a very different role. <laughs> so different, especially because all I can think of the part when he's like, Dad, come on. He's like, Daddy's not coming on anything. And they're like <laughs> And I'm like, oh my god, that's the same guy. Yes. That's fantastic. So um so he's there and he's kind of helping take care of them. Um and then he um What's his name there? Sorry. Ram Das. He, like, takes notice of the girls um, and kind of, like, what they're doing. And now the girls at this point, they're using their, quote, unquote, like, imaginations to, like, imagine what it would be like to have, you know. Wonderful, extravagant. Yes. Right. Yeah. Things and jewels and, you know. In Shocker, again, another story that someone has to do with India. Again, you know, India was a very, like, hyped thing back then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so stuff like that. And at one point, they wake up, and all of the stuff that they're wishing for is there. Yes. And they're like, we can't believe it. Um, Like, it's, you know, this crazy thing. But you're sitting there, and you're, like, so happy. You're like, oh, my God. Like, it's finally, like, this dream come true. Well, then, of course, leave it to Miss Minchin, because she just can't, you know, let anybody be happy. No, nope, no. Nope. Basically accuses them of, like, stealing. Yeah. Because, like, okay, fine. Like, maybe you're like, I don't understand how that would get there. That's logic. But, like... How are how are two little girls going to... Yeah. <laughs> like, how are two little girls... Feel all of that. Yeah. Right. And they're like, no, like, we didn't. And it, it becomes, like, this whole thing. And I'm trying to get through the whole movie without making it too, too long. Yeah. That's why I'm kind of, like, cutting bits and pieces out of it. And plus, I don't want to spoil everything for you guys. So, anyway, long story short, like, um... Sarah and Becky at this point are trying to figure out, like, we need to, like, escape. We need to get out of here. Like, this is not the place for us. Yeah. And so, like, at one point, they literally, they go to cross over into the other house. Um, and they, like, put this board down and they go to walk across. It's such a dramatic scene. And so the rain is coming down. Oh, my God. And Sarah's, like, trying to go across and she's, like, crying. Now, Miss Minchin, she ends up coming up and... I'll say this is probably the only time I think I ever saw, like, a bit of caring, possibly, is when Sarah, like, falls onto the board and is about to fall. Oh, yeah. And she, like, 
somewhat seems like, okay, I don't want her to die, obviously. Yeah, right. But I remember her hanging off of that and me being like, oh my god, oh my god, is like she gonna make it? Is she gonna make it across? Like, I... It was it was very yeah, dramatic whenever you're, you know, seven years old watching it, for sure. Yes, I'm like bawling my eyes out. And then they've got Becky and now they're calling the police and all this stuff. Because mind you, at this point, they're calling the police because, like I said, they've accused um, Sarah and Becky of stealing. Um, but Sarah does make it across. Now she gets into the other house. Um, yeah. And she runs into this blindfolded man. And... You know, they, he, I think it's like, he, he says something like, why are you crying or, or something like that? Like, he kind of, like, realizes she's in the room. Yeah, like, he's like, who's, who's and there? Yeah, and so, like, it's this whole, like, kind of dramatic scene where she, like, kind of peels off, like, his blindfold. And she's like, like, Papa, like, Papa, it's Papa. It's, yeah. So, yep. So then it gets crazier. The police come in and grab her. Take her out, and she's screaming, Papa. He has no idea because he's lost his memory in the war. They're like, this is his daughter. Right. Um, and so, like, he, you know, the drama's coming. The rain's pouring. She's out. The police are holding her. He's yelling, Papa. And then all of a sudden, it, like, clicks. And he's, like, runs out, and he's <laughs> like, Sarah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> and just, like. It ends there, kind of, you know, well, not not quite, but, like, you know, it's them and they're hugging. And then it kind of ends where, like, he ends up, like, basically, like, adopting Becky. And they kind of, like, go off mm-hmm. and live their life. And it just ends so good. But, oh, my God, that scene, that whole entire part made me bawl. Yes. My eyes out so hard. Like. Yes. A thousand it times. It just. Because. A thousand, a thousand times <sighs> over. And here's some fun facts. So since we were talking about actors, and I was like, oh, so other movies that he was also in, the guy who played Ram Das, he was also in Tommy Boy, which I can't remember who he was in that, but I'm going to have to look into it. Yeah, yeah. And then um, Liesl Matthews, who played Sarah, she was in Air Force One with Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, good old Harrison yes. Ford. Although I have to say, I prefer like seventies Harrison Ford. That's my fair, like fair. Mm. <laughs> yep. Um, and then, oh, uh, the guy who played the dad, Captain Cruz, was in Game of Thrones. You know, I don't know who he played though because I tried to find it, and he might not be like a main character, so it wasn't on the main like list. But I thought maybe if you've seen it, you would know who he played. You know, now that you're mentioning it, I'm like, th- I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, he does kind of look like. This is what he looks like. Let's see now. <gasps> oh my god! Who's he playing? Oh my god! He plays um Sir Davos. Oh my god! He's like he's like <laughs> one of the best characters in that show. How, f- isn't that so funny now? Because I feel like, I don't know about you, but like a lot of times I'll look at those movies and be like, oh, I haven't seen those actors in forever. And then you're like, oh my God, they're in a show I watch all the time. Well, you know what's funny? I did, re- I do remember, um, I do remember whenever I first started watching Game of Thrones, like looking up there, everybody's IMDB. And I vaguely remember yep. him, his, like one of, on his IMDB page, um, finding out that he was in, 
And I, I must have just like forgot about it or didn't make a, as big of a deal about it. Because, right, you know, right. You're like, oh, Because I was yes. just starting the show and I wasn't as invested. That makes so much sense. And, you know, it's funny, too. So also, Becky, she was in Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Harriet the Spy, which I remember. Yes. Beyond Jurassic Park, she was in um, 17 again with Zac Efron. She was in She's All That. She was in a whole bunch of stuff, actually. Yes. So I was like, wow, you know, I thought it was really interesting. And um, just like a few little, little, little tidbits here that I have, some fun facts. Let me see. Let me see. I have them from the beginning. Oh, this is what it was called. So Brain Fever is what it was written as in the book. It says, is now known to be mostly Victorian nonsense and not actually a disease. Shocker, because let's be honest, mm-hmm. Victorian era was a crazy era. They came up with a lot of crazy stuff. That's right. Okay? Yeah. Hysteria, they for did. example. <laughs> yeah. Mm, for women. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. We'll talk about that another day. Um <laughs> So anyway, it says, which could be one of the reasons why there's adaptations of Sarah's father turning up alive. Yeah. They're saying that maybe that had something to do with it. Um, The book itself actually began as a short story, which had a play based on it. And then some, like, so it says some things different happened in the book. Like, like I said, Captain Crew dying. He died of liver disease. And then I guess like Sarah liked to read. She was an avid reader. That was something that was different. And then... Oh, this is really interesting. In the first, so in the nineteen seventeen film with Mary Pickford, she was twenty five when she played Sarah in the film. Wow! Wait, hold on. Say that again. In in the nineteen seventeen version, Mary Pickford. Mary Pickford was she was twenty five when she played Sarah. You know what though? Okay, so this was another thing that I did this weekend. So um, I was looking through all of my stuff. Like I was going through my cedar chest that had stuff in it from my childhood and my, in like high school. And I still have notes from my pop culture class. And we were talking, like (coughs) I had like a little talking about Mary Pickford. Yeah. Talking about Mary Pickford because we, it was like anywhere from like the 1920s to, I think we got up to the 1980s before we, um, before we ran out of time. Cause it was like only like a semester class. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I was like trying to think. It was like I I was just looking at, you know, I still have like a my notebook cover of that I drew and like clip art arted, clip arted, clip arted. <laughs> um, I just clip arted. Well, <laughs> um, and I'll have to post a picture of it on the podcast page. But uh, it yeah, I it, I think it had Mary Pickford or Clara Bow on it. Um, but yeah, I was like looking at it. I was like, oh yeah, they were, those were, they were big, big actresses. Like there was like Clara Bow, uh, Mary Pickford, Lillian Gish. Like there, there was like a handful of them that was, and that was about it. You know, lots of them. And unfortunately a good chunk of, there's so many, I mean, the amount of, God, the amount of actresses that came out of that time, there's so many, a lot of them who unfortunately, uh, didn't live very long. One of my favorites, why I can't think of her name. She didn't live very long. Jean Harlow. Jean Harlow. Thank you, Jean Harlow. Okay. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just always liked her look. I like, I just always, and it's just sad, very sad that she, I think she was 20, 26 or 27 when she passed. She was really, really young. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, she looks familiar. So yeah, that was in this in the she passed away in the thirties. Um, but yeah, so Mary Pickford was twenty five whenever she played Sarah Crew. That's that is crazy though. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder why that was. I guess maybe it, maybe child actors just weren't a thing, you know, at that point. I mean, they ha- they like did, but maybe it could just have been because Mary Pickford was so big at that time. Yeah, maybe. Interestingly enough, there was like in in a 1985 anime adaptation. Interesting. Um, I, I thought that was very interesting. I was like, I kind of want to go find that. Was that? Oh, they actually won a few. They won a few awards. They won best music, best production design, best picture, second place at the Los Angeles Film Critics Association. Oh. Um, well, the director won that, so not surprised because he's a brilliant director. Yeah. Now that I. Once, once you, like, said the name, I was like, okay, yes, I recognize the name. Um, oh, they, it won an Academy Award for Best Art Direction and Set Direction, Best Cinematography. Oh, nominated, nominated, sorry. They only won the first one. Best Cinematography. And then they were nominated for <laughs> a Young Artist Award for Best Leading Actress, Liesl Matthews. Um, leading Actress, but, again, just nominated. So that was kind of that was kind of it about that movie, but I would definitely say I feel like we kind of agree that the parts that really got to us was like that whole dramatic ending. It just with the really... father. And even even the way that they shot like the the scene where they got word that her father died. Yes. Like it, with the it was at a birthday party and there was like a black balloon. Uh-huh. That floated in. It floats in the hallway. And then it just pops. Yes, it was at her birthday yep. party. And it pops. Yep, that was that was yep, it crazy. Just... Um, I think that was one of the most... That really stuck with me as a kid, I think. Finding out at your birthday yes. party. I, I'm, I'm so glad that you mentioned it, because I remember that exactly. That's a great, like, cinematic way to represent yeah. death. Yeah, the, just the popping of a black balloon. I, You know what? I did forget to mention some of the, um, the things that... Uh, the awards that Braveheart won, but I will say it the the score was written by James Horner, which I think I've said in a couple episodes ago that I love James Horner. I think James Horner is one of is a really great composer because um, I think he did Land Before Time. So, um, but yeah, so Braveheart won several Academy Awards that year. Yeah, I was gonna say I had a feeling they including won a bunch. Best Picture, Best Directing. Best cinematography. I said cinematography on purpose, by the way. Cinnamon. That's my favorite kind. Um, makeup and hairstyling. I think they won. They won that for, for that. Oh. So yeah, they they have they have a good handful too. But I guess to wrap up, do you want to? You said you have some some trivia for me. For I I do. I have some trivia. It's um from the year nineteen ninety five. We were thinking about what to do at the end, and I'm ugh, I'm so bummed because I have, and I love the '90s Trivial Pursuit, and it has like each year that you can do, and I was like, ah, oh, but it's put away. But I found something that's pretty good, and so I think, yay, because there were some that were like definitely way too hard, and then there were some that were way too easy. So I feel like this you might you should you should do okay. well. So are you ready? I'm ready. Bri? Okay. How much do you know about the year 1995? We'll have to keep it quick because my number um, one, my battery's dying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll make it quick. Yeah. Which celebrity hosted the Oscars that year? 
David Letterman, Billy Crystal, Whoopi Goldberg, or Bob Hope? I'm going to say it's either Billy Crystal or Whoopi Goldberg. And I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Billy Crystal. <clears throat> David Letterman. Oh, really? Okay, because I, I know I know Billy Crystal and Whoopi Goldberg both hosted eventually. Uh, yeah, apparently his performance uh, was rated the gold standard of Oscar bombing. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Good to know. Um, number two, who made the cover of People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive issue? Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, George Clooney, or Sean Connery? George Clooney. Eh. Brad Pitt earned that honor in 1995 and would earn a repeat cover in 2000. Dang it, okay. All right. This you should know because I remember this happening. Which color M&M candy was introduced in 1995? Blue, purple, tan, or orange? Blue. Yes, <laughs> I remember that happening. Yep. That was a big deal, guys. It was. I know, doesn't that, that, that shows how old we are. We remember when the blue M&M came out. <laughs> All right. Which television station first broadcast the X Games? MTV, ESPN, ABC, or HBO? ESPN. Yes, you got one right. Ding, 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 Two. ding, ding. I got the last one right. Oh, two right. Sorry, two. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. All right. Number five. Which actor was nominated for the worst new star despite his box office success? Jim Carrey, Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, or Keanu Reeves? So what was the What was the question again? Who, which actor was nominated for the worst new star despite his box office success? Jim Carrey. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Mm -hmm. It said he was... It said, despite the dubious honor, today Carrie's net worth is approximately $180 million. I believe it. Dang. All right. <clears throat> this one you should know, Miss Ex-Barista. Mm -hmm. Number six, which Starbucks product was first introduced? Frappuccino, nitro cold brew, iced chai tea, or cafe mistro? Uh, Frappuccino. Yes, it was introduced in 1995. Good job. <laughs> All right, number seven. Where have people been meeting online since 1995? Match.com, eHarmony, Google Meets, or Silver Singles? eHarmony. Match.com. Okay, it was either, either eHarmony or Match. Okay. Wow. They're all over the place, too, in 50 countries and 12 languages. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Number eight. The first professional sports game streamed online in 1995. Who was playing? Cowboys versus Packers, Mariners versus Yankees, Celtics versus Lakers, or Islanders versus Canucks? Mm, what was the first one? Cowboys versus Packers. I'm going to say Cowboys versus Packers. You are incorrect. It is the Mariners versus the Yankees in September 1995. The Mariners beat the Yankees 6-5. to five. Okay, okay. Was it the World Series, I assume? Yes. It says, all it says is the first pro game streamed online courtesy of a then new technology developed by, the, by a Seattle company. So it doesn't say anything. It just says that it was on the sports okay, zone. Okay. Okay. Um, number nine. And then you've got one more after this. What was the biggest movie box office hit of that year? Batman Forever, Toy Story, Clueless, or Apollo 13? Oh, God. You said Batman Forever, Toy Story... Clueless or Apollo... Clueless or Apollo 13. I'm going to say Apollo 13 or Batman. You are wrong. So, well, listen, to, so this is the okay. answer. 
Batman Forever was the top domestic grossing movie of the year, but Disney's Toy Story earned $254,651,588 worldwide, widely outpacing the competition. Wow, okay. Toy Story received special recognition, but did not win any major Academy Award category. Interesting, okay, okay. All right, last one. I think you know this one. Who were the names of the genetically engineered animated mice who had their own TV show? <laughs> Chip and Dale, Beavis and Butthead, Pinky and the Brain, or Phineas and Ferb? Pinky and the Brain. I love Pinky and the Brain so much. <laughs> Good job. Yes. Hi. And did you know Steven Spielberg was executive producer? Right, he, he was. I did forget. I, I did. I did remember that. Good. Job, Bree. I thought that was a pretty good quiz, yeah, that right? Wasn't too bad. I didn't. I didn't do terrible. It wasn't awful. It was a good. Right. You got like half and it half. It was a good, good solid D. You know. <laughs> That's what she said. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 okay. Anyway. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us again today. Obviously, this episode is significantly shorter than last week's. <laughs> but um, we hope that you enjoyed it nonetheless. Um, make sure that yes. you follow us on all of our social media. We are on the Instagram and uh, tic- I said the Instagram, Instagram and TikTok at, at the Retrospects Podcast, Twitter on Retrospects P. Uh, you can email us at the Retrospects Podcast at, Even at gmail.com, which we know you won't. Unless you want to sponsor us, then great, go for it. Um, Dude, get on it. We love sponsors. Be cool. Cool as heck. Um, and then what else? Yeah. So that, and then, you know, share with your friends. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate you spending the time with us today. We're on Stitcher, Google, Spotify, Apple, Anchor. And- Well, thank you very much, guys. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.